Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. They were never serious, so I left that church only to hear that revival started with the very youth I discredited. You are one decision from the most powerful experience with God you've ever had in your entire life. It's just one yes away. God believes in you because you're only one yes away from the most powerful experience you've ever had with God. And maybe that's the first time today. Or maybe it's been a long time since you said yes to a powerful God who's radically in love with you. Well, please have a seat. Shake a few hands, say a few hellos before you do so. We're excited about what God's going to do and continue to do in our church because he's radically in love with us. Good morning. Y'all glad to be here? The original safe space right here. Sometimes we do get excited. If you've ever been delivered out of the pits of hell, you'd be excited too. That's something to get excited about. Praise the Lord. Mm. Wow. Brother Buddy talked Wednesday night about not limiting God. And talked about you know their speed limits to limit you. And sometimes what we do, things we do, what we believe, and you have to just listen to it online, but we limit God. He doesn't have any limits. He created it at all. What can limit him? He's, he doesn't, definitely doesn't have any limits. But we, we do things that, that limit God. He wants to, to, to move in our lives and do things in our lives, and he's provided things already to us. He wants us to receive what's been provided through faith, and a lot of times we're in fear or unbelief rather than in faith, and of course that limits what we'll ever receive. And um, I wanted to kind of just pick up where Brother Buddy left off, and uh, the scripture I left off with last Sunday, I'm going to read that, and we will get, we'll get going here. It's in Luke, the 17th chapter, starting in the 14th verse. Now Jesus had been up on the mountain Peter, James, and John, Mount Transfiguration. He had been uh, transfigured. And he was glowing. Uh, well, talk about uh, Moses uh, being with, Jesus, with being with God up on the mountain, and he was glowing on the outside. He was an outer, but Jesus radiates light. Let me tell you, it's from the inside out. It's from the inside. And people meet you sometimes, and there's just something about you. It's not the way you look. 
Well, it may be the way some of you look. It's certainly not the way I look. But there's something about you that they're just drawn to. They just like you. They just want to be your friend and hang around, go out to eat, go uh, ride or go to the game or just do something with you. There, there's a drawing. It, what's drawing them is what's on the inside of you. It, it's something on the inside of you drawing them. I mean, unless you're a really good-looking woman, then it's something on the outside might be drawing them for a little while. But you understand if you... If you're not all that good looking and somebody's drawn to you, just know it's something on the inside. That's why I know my wife really loves me. So there you go. But he had been up there and he comes down the mountain. And this is where we're going to pick the story up. So when Jesus saw them, he said to them, go. No, that's not it. Huh. Well, she did what I told her to because she put it in there. Let me open up my Bible right here. And, yeah, I told you Luke. It's Matthew. <laughs> so, this, so, scratch that I said Luke. <clears throat> in Matthew, the 17th chapter, in the 14th verse, And when they had come down the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy... On my son, for he is epileptic and uh, he suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't cure him. Then Jesus said to him, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For I, surely I say to you, If you have faith as a mustard seed, You will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, And it will move, And nothing will be impossible for you. And he says, However, this kind does not go out Except through prayer and fasting. Now, Um, have you ever grown out of anything? You have grown out of some things. I've got some clothes in my closet. I've got some really nice jeans that um, they won't button. That's because I grew out of them. I would like to get back into those bad boys. And, uh, but I, the fact of the matter is I grew out of them. I have some nice shirts that I have I've grown out of. There's a lot of things I've grown out of. So on Monday, I knew I was going to be preaching on uh, grow out of it because somebody said, I don't even remember where I was at. I just heard a lady said, he'll grow out of it. And when she said, he'll grow out of it, I mean, immediately in my spirit, I, that's what we're preaching on Sunday, growing out of it. She didn't quote one scripture from the Bible. I don't even know if she's saved. I don't even remember where I was at when I heard it. He'll grow out of it. And I got to thinking, yeah, I've grown out of a lot of things. And I, I need to probably grow out of, of some more things. And so I made a small list here, a top six list. There's a, it's a long list. It's got to do with my sister. Now, when she was a kid, she was a bad kid, a really bad kid. I mean terrible, awful. Where's she at? Oh, she's up in the balcony. <laughs> On the, she's as far back as you can get. 
as high up and as far back as you can possibly get. But um, she's not a bad kid anymore. She's a, she's a grown woman and she's not bad at all. But one time, me and Jackie, I think we had gone to Subway. We went somewhere. We, we, had us, we got us a lunch. We brought it back to the house. And she's just, I'm 14 years older than her, by the way, so she's just a little squirt. And we're sitting there eating, and here comes my sister into the kitchen, and she just takes, she just reaches over and takes the sandwich and just pulls it straight out of Jackie's hands, takes a bite of it, and goes, ooh, and threw it in the garbage can. And Caitlin just, I mean, Jackie just looked at me like, are you going to do anything? And I was like, I've been beating that kid for years. I mean... She's just mean. She's just a mean thing. <clears throat> so then she went up the street to the neighbor's house and got a bunch of bricks and just decided to throw them off in the swimming pool and cut the liner on the thing. So the, the liner had to be replaced. I mean, just doing just mean stuff, you know. Then next thing you know, the neighbor's cat turned up and got spray painted. <laughs> painted the cat. Then she had another neighbor that was, I don't know what he did to her, but she decided to fill his mailbox with rocks and then super glue the lid shut. <laughs> That's, this is all true stories now. So when he finally did get it open, it was full of rocks. And I had a buddy in high school, his name was Jimmy. He's still my buddy, but we don't, he moved off and anyway, and he's actually a, a pastor of a church. My grandma told us when we were about 16, she said, y'all are going to be pastors. And we're like, you're right. <laughs> um, so be careful what you speak over your children. Because you can say you ain't going to be nothing but a loser. Got one friend of mine, he, his mom said, see that trolley? He was in Gatlinburg, stick nosing. Gatlinburg, she said, see that trolley right there? She said, you're on a trolley and it's leading straight to hell. Because of the life he was living, you know. But anyway, my buddy, his girlfriend, she like, I mean, she's only five or six, right? If that old. She's a little thing. So she, you know, she, she thought my buddy was her boyfriend. And she's five and he's 18, 19, 20 years old. And uh, he had a girlfriend, so she was jealous of the girl and didn't like her. She had a blue car. Well, Caitlin's daddy drove... Uh, his mom with her grandma's car to the house, and it was blue. So she went in the basement. She probably didn't know what she was doing, but she got a quart of brake fluid, and brake fluid will eat the paint off the car if you leave it on there. And she just poured the whole bottle out on the hood. Just poured the whole bottle out on the hood. So he came out. He's like, what is this? Brake fluid, oh, you know, freaked out and was washing it off real quick. I mean, she's just a mean thing. Just mean, mean. And then to make matters worse, she took a rock and she went to the neighbor's house and they had someone visiting and she carved her name in the van <laughs> with a rock, scratched it up, wrote something in it. So she came home and anyway, that person came over and knocked on the door and when the door was open, uh, they said, is there a little girl, blonde-headed girl that lives here? And then Caitlin was questioned and she said, I don't even know anybody with a blue van. So she told off on herself before, Yeah. My point to all that is she has uh, grown out of that because if she hadn't grown out of that, 
She would probably be hiding in the utility room putting poisonous gas in the ductwork right now, and we'd all be dead. <laughs> yeah. But she grew out of it. And there's some things we need to grow out of. Uh, the way we think, the way we react, and the way we talk. And uh, My main point to, to this today is growing out of unbelief. And growing out of unbelief. The disciples couldn't cast out that demon because of unbelief, and we'll get into that in a moment. I want to touch on a couple of scriptures that we've been going over for weeks, and just real quickly. It says, For grace you've been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Faith is a gift of God. God has given you faith. He's put faith on the inside of you. You have faith. You can say, well, I need to go get me some more faith. You don't need to go get any more faith. You have faith. You need to get into the Word and learn some Word. Learn some words so you'll know what to put your faith into. Because you cannot put faith into something that you don't know. I can't put my faith in a stranger because I don't know him. I can, if I call and ask my grandma, will you pray for this? If I ask Brother Buddy, will you pray for this? I have faith that she will or he will, and I have faith that they'll have faith. But I could never go up to a strange man that I didn't know and never met and say, would you pray for this or that? And me actually have faith that they would do it. I wouldn't because I don't know and so I take it serious. I've said it so many times, y'all are tired of hearing it. But unspoken prayer requests, waste of time. Can't put faith in something you don't know. You can't. You have to know. If you want me to pray for you, i got to know what I'm praying for. People all the time on Facebook, uh, I need prayers, please. And I, I just, out of curiosity, look, and there's, there's 100 people going to pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. And I want to say, what are you praying exactly? What do you pray? If somebody says, I need prayers, what are we going to pray? Am I going to pray for your knee, your mind, your marriage, your finances? What am I praying for? I don't even know what to pray. You can't put faith in something you don't know, period. But you have faith, and that's why it's up to you to get into this Word, and you put your faith into this Word. You have the ability. God has given it to you. The gift of faith is, is in you, and it's up to us to get in the Word. And how would you? You've got to have some words so you'll know what belongs to you. So when you are praying and you're claiming or you're receiving, what would you claim or what would you receive if you didn't know what the Word of God said about you or for you? You've got to have some Word. And I've heard people say prayer is the most important thing. It's not. Prayer is very important. Nothing happens without faith. I mean, without prayer, nothing happens without faith either. But if you don't know the Word, you don't know any Word, you wouldn't know what to pray. The Word of God is the most important thing. This is a Word-based church. We teach and preach the Word. No bells and whistles, nothing fancy, and uh, it's the Word of God, which the Word of God is pretty fancy. Now, you've been given the gift of faith. In 2 Peter 1, chapter 1, verse, it says, Peter is a bondservant apostle of Jesus Christ, and he says, he's saying to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. In other words, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, congratulations, you have obtained like precious faith with us. Like precious faith with, with Peter. He says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. 
You've been given the, if you've accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you've been given the exact same thing as Peter, as the apostles. Peter walked on water. Peter raised him from the dead. Peter went up to the lame man at the temple. He said, hey, give me your right hand. And he said, arise and walk. And the man took off walking. He hadn't walked in 38 years. That's what you've got. It's on the inside of you. You may not have walked in it. You may not have lived it, but it's in there. The ability is in there. Amen. Don't waste it. We say wasted talent when you see an athlete that doesn't uh, perform and use his talent. Well, don't waste a gift from God. Amen. Now, Romans the 12th chapter 3rd verse. For I say... For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think soberly. And this is the part I want to get to. According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith, I'm just driving the point home, you have been given the measure of faith. God used the same size spoon and doled out the measure. You got the same measure as me. I got the same measure as Billy Graham. Billy Graham got the same measure as Peter, as Apostle Paul. You've been given the measure of faith. Amen. And then uh, Philemon, he says that the sharing of your faith may become um, effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Jesus Christ. Now, you've got the faith. It's in there. You've been given it. You've been given these gifts. The same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells on the inside of you. It says, uh, may become effective by the acknowledgement. In other words, if you want to see these things become effective in your life, you're going to have to acknowledge that they've been given to you. You will have to acknowledge the Word of God. Amen. You're going to have to receive it. So that's what we've been talking about in great depth for several weeks. And I can't uh, go back. I just wanted to kind of refresh your memory on those scriptures right there. And, um, but our main text is where the one we read, the one that I don't have on here to put on the screen because I gave her the, the wrong scripture. But um, these disciples, they definitely had faith, no doubt. They went up to a man and, uh, to cast out a demon out of him, one that took hold of him and threw him on the ground and tried to throw him into the fire. Other scripture tells you tries to even throw him into the fire. And they, he said he fell on the ground and he foamed at the, at the mouth. So they, they definitely had faith that they would never would have even tried it. And they had done it before. They had prayed for people. They had laid hands on the sick. They had, had the sick recover. They had cast out demons before. So these people definitely had faith and they definitely believed. You don't go up and lay hands on somebody if you don't believe. You don't go up and uh, try to cast a demon out of somebody. I can tell you unless you believe. Because if you don't believe, you're going to be running the other way. Running the other way. I remember years ago, before I knew then what I, this is before I knew what I know now. And uh, I ended up in an elevator with a lady, and she had this man's voice coming out of her, and it was pretty frightening. And then she just started thrashing, slamming her face into this elevator and just, just thrashing all around this elevator, and she finally busted her nose and lips. And then that, that last lick where she slammed into the elevator, she just slid down it. And I'm telling you, there was just a blood trail down the stainless steel. You know how they are in the elevators. Down, and she's just wadded up on the ground. I was ready to get out of the elevator. 
I was ready to get out. When they opened the elevator, here's a 140, 50-pound woman, and I'm standing there, just me and her. She's laying on the ground bleeding. And I was like, dear, dear Lord, thank the Lord nobody's standing there waiting to get on. But if I was back in that situation again, I could care less about getting out of the elevator. I'd use the name of Jesus. I'd take control of the situation because demons have to flee the name of Jesus, period. Amen. Well, um, these disciples, when they went up, they were in faith and they're believing and many of you have faith and many of you are be believe for things and have faith in, to believe in different areas. There, there's all kind of challenges and different things we face and we have an opportunity to apply faith on a daily basis. Amen? Um, but they saw something and what they saw made them waver. When they told the demon to come out of this child... He fell on the ground, started thrashing around, foaming at the mouth is what the Scripture tells us. What they saw made them waver because they were moved by sight. And that will, seeing something like that will we'll move you. Uh, we talked about it last week, praying for something, believing for something, standing for something, having faith in something, but then all of a sudden what you see is not lining up with what you're say, speaking or believing, and then all of a sudden you start waving and you get into unbelief and you say, well, I don't guess it's working. Well... In James, the first chapter, the second verse, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now, your faith does get tested. Amen? And faith's not something you try. It's a life you live. It's not something you just do quickly, snap your fingers. It's not, uh, what's the little, I dream of genie, she wiggle her nose and things happen. It's a process. It's a process. But it says it produces patience. <clears throat> Have y'all seen the movie um, where the guy's building that ark and everybody thinks he's crazy? And his wife, uh, she's sitting down there and she, she's eating and um, I don't know the guy's name, but I know he played in uh, Shawshank Redemption. But he's, 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 he's an angel or he's God in, in, in this film. I can't remember exactly what he was. But anyway, he's talking to her and he said, he said, if you pray for patience, does God give you patience? Or does he give you an opportunity to be patient? Well, he gives you an opportunity to be patient. Because just like the scripture says, that these trials, they test your faith. And that produces faith. That produces faith. But let the patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. <clears throat> and if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives it all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And this is what I wanted to get to. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For not, uh, not, let not the man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, because he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. What, it, what the Word of God saying there is he's unstable. He's being moved by his sight. He's in faith one minute, now he's in fear. He's, he's believing, and now he's in unbelief. He's on a seesaw going up and down, back and forth. He's unstable. He's a double-minded man. And we're not supposed to be unstable. We're not supposed to be un, uh, double-minded men, and that's, that's a challenge, isn't it? Because you see things every day that distract you. You hear things every day that tries to strike fear up in you. You get bad reports. Things happen. But you're on that seesaw. I thought about the seesaw. The little kids going up and down. Up and down. 
Up and down. Well, God loves you when you're up. God loves you when you're down. Whether you're on the mountain or down in the valley, he loves you. He's for you. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. <clears throat> you know, he says if you just have faith the size of a mustard seed, mustard seed faith. But then other times in Scripture, you, you see where he says, Oh, ye of little faith. Is God confused? Well, he said you just need faith the size of a mustard tree. And this tree can be plucked up, pulled out of the ground. You can speak to a mountain. It can, you can accomplish anything if you just have faith the size of a mustard seed. But you see other places in Scripture where he says, Oh, ye of little faith. Well, he said all you need is a little. But now he says, oh, ye of little faith. I can see where that can be confusing. You have to get into the Word of God, study it, and see some things. In fact, in Matthew, um, I think about four times in Matthew, he says, oh, ye of little faith. In Matthew, the sixth chapter, he's talking about the birds. He says, he takes care of the birds. He takes care of the lilies. Solomon, in all his splendor, was never dressed like any of these things. Now, if he's going to take care of the birds and take care of the lilies, the lilies are pretty one day, the next day they're cast into the fire because they've died, because they're seasonal. How much more is he going to take care of you? What in the world are you worrying about, O ye of little faith? And then on down in the 8th chapter, uh, Jesus is sleeping in the boat, and the disciples are flipping out. They think they're going to sink. They think they're going to die. They Jesus, wake up, come out here. you got to do something. Don't you even care? He comes out, rebukes the storm, says, O ye of little faith. In the 14th chapter, if I'm not mistaken, in Matthew, Peter uh, and the disciples are in the boat. Jesus comes walking to them uh, on the water. And they're in fear. They think it's a ghost. Once again, oh, ye of little faith, he calls Peter out on the water. Or actually, Peter said, if it's really you, you call me out on the water. And he says, okay, come on out here. So Peter got out on the water. He's walking on the water. He is walking on the water. I guarantee you that took some faith. Then he began to sink because he took, the scripture says he took his eye off Jesus and he started looking at the waves that are contrary and they were boisterous and uh, he got scared. He got into fear. He got into unbelief. He might have just looked down and thought, is this really happening? I mean, you know what was between him and the water? Faith. He was actually walking on faith, not on water. But Jesus says, you know, Peter sank and Jesus picked him up and he says, oh, ye of little faith. And then on down in about the 16th chapter, um, the disciples forgot to bring bread. And Jesus is actually talking about, be careful, the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious, just a little leaven ruins the whole batch. Just a little bit. And uh, they think he's talking about bread that he forgot to bring on the trip. And they're hungry. And he says, I just turned, I just fed 5,000 people with one boy's lunch. I'm not talking about bread. Oh, ye of little faith. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So anyway, this, let, me, let me clear that up for you in case that's confusing to you. When he says little faith, that's two words. The word, and I didn't take Greek. I don't speak Greek. <clears throat> they didn't offer that up there at the Gardendale High School. They did offer Spanish. I do remember Unos, Dos, and Trace, and that's about as far as I made it. <clears throat> you do have to do your homework to pass. You must pay attention. I didn't either. 
I didn't figure I was planning, you know, I didn't plan on going anywhere where I needed Spanish. So I just stuck with English. But anyway, the Greek, the word there, and uh, the word for faith there is uh, pistos. And the word for little is uh, oligos. And you can, he combined them, oligos, pistos, is oligo, pistos, is one word, little faith. But you can, you can read in Revelation, the 12th chapter, in the second verse, and in Acts, the 26th chapter, somewhere in there, and it's the exact same word. But what the, what the word uh, oligos means is short, little, short duration, not small. When he says little faith, sh- short lives faith. It didn't last very long. You were in faith until you saw the storm. Then you got into unbelief. Oh, ye of little faith. Your faith didn't last very long. It made it two steps out here. And then you got into unbelief. And in the other areas of Scripture, it's the same thing. You're worried about bread? Y'all concerned about bread? Oh, ye of short faith? It didn't last long. You just saw me multiply and feed 5,000 people. Now you're already worried about your lunch. Short faith. Short faith. Boy, we, can, we get into it, don't we? We're going to stand and we're going to believe. I mean, we're on fire for the Lord. We're ready. And then we get out of here and something happens. The storm of life hits. Something happens. Same thing. Oh, you have little faith. The faith didn't last very long. It's on that seesaw. Up and down. Up and down. And the unbelief becomes heavier than the faith. And it, it shifts. It'd be like if me and old Mark got on a seesaw. I can tell you who's going to go up. He is. I had to fast for a long time before he went down. But y'all see that? That's important. One, not to be confused and to think God's uh, confused himself. He's not confused. Just dig into the scripture, study it for yourself. And anytime you see something like that that's kind of confusing, when he says, oh, ye of little faith, and then he says, all you need is a little faith, that is, can be confusing. Well, look those words up in the Greek. Find out what they mean. It's important. Amen. So anyway, we'll, we'll get in that situation. You're on that seesaw, and you're, you say, I need more faith. I need more faith. I don't think you need more faith. I think we need less unbelief. I mean, you take a, a couple mules, you tie them to a weight, and one mule's pulling that away, and one mule's pulling that away, and nothing's really happening. They just kind of, it's voided. This mule can't pull, and this can't, can't pull. But then we get on the, the phone, and you're going to call to people, or get on Facebook, I need you to pray, I need you to pray, because I need some more mules attached to this weight. But every time you, you ask for somebody to pray, uh, and if they're in unbelief, they come in with two mules. The faith mule, the one that's believing, and an unbelief mule. And it, it, it's not doing anything either. That's why I say, don't get on Facebook doing that. That's not going to help you. I know you think it is, but it's not. It's, it's not. You need to take a handful of people that you know personally, that you know them personally, you call them, you tell them to pray for you. You call upon the elders of the church, have them lay hand on you, or anoint you with oil. People you know that's going to stand in faith. Because every time you get on there and somebody says they're praying, like I said, there's two mules, the, the believing one and the unbelieving one. Let's hope the unbelieving one's not the biggest mule. Does that make sense? It's important. And prayer change, I do believe in prayer change. And then, like I say, 
Uh, I grew up and I, I heard that word a lot. We're going to call the prayer team. We're going to call the prayer chain. It was people that fasted and prayed and believed the word of God and stood on the word of God. When they prayed, boy, there was results, good results. Praise the Lord. But it's not a focus more on faith. I got to get more faith. I got to get more faith. I want to tell you what, it's, what we need to be focusing on. And I wrote this down right here. Pulling the plug. Pulling the plug on unbelief. Growing out of it. Growing out of it just like my sister grew out of all those bad habits and just meanness. You can grow out of unbelief and grow right on over into belief. You can grow out of fear and grow right over into uh, faith on God's Word. You can grow out of doubt. You can grow into these things. But just like anything else, it takes time to grow. You don't, you don't plant a garden and go out there the next day and start pulling tomatoes off and making a BLT sandwich. You got to leave them in the ground. They got to get rooted and grounded in the Word. I mean, in the dirt. You've got to get rooted and grounded in the Word. And church jumpers, jumping, jumping, jumping. If I plant a tomato in the backyard and let it grow a day and yank it up and take it over there and plant it in your backyard and let it grow a day, yank it up and take it to your house, yank it up and take it over there, you ain't never going to get a tomato. You got to leave it in the ground. Stay somewhere for a minute. Don't leave because they hurt your feelings. The next church, they're going to hurt your feelings too. If I left every time y'all hurt my feelings, I'd been gone a long time ago. <laughs> Sometimes I hurt people's feelings. They just block me on Facebook. They dare not change their bad habits. They just block me so I can't see them anymore. <laughs> yeah. The person that did that's closer than y'all know. Oh, hey. Hey, Mom. Did I, did I say that? I'll never get that cast iron skillet now. That's my inheritance, by the way, for those that don't know this, a skillet. Uh, amen. Pull the plug on it. Drain it out. Pull the plug on it. Pull the plug on it. On unbelief, instead of focusing on, like I say, I got to get more faith. I got to build my faith. I got to get more faith. Yeah, read that word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word by all means. But at the same time, if you're getting up in the morning and you're spending time in the word, we read a few scriptures, then you go over and turn on the news and you see how terrible and how awful it is and you go to work and go, what are we going to do? We're all dying. We might as well jump off a cliff. It's terrible and awful. You pay money and I pay money to have it piped into my house. You can't expect to go live a clean, holy life when you're piping the world's sewage right into your house through your TV. But that thing does have a remote control and you can change the channel. And you can put it on something good. Amen. Amen. Listen to the radio. You're just piping it right on in your ears. The internet, dear Lord Jesus. I mean, I was thinking if I was a teenager, uh, what... The available, it's right there at your hand, in that phone, what you can do. Wow. I mean, man. We had to sneak and hide and do all these different, I mean, I don't see anybody here too young, but if we wanted to see some nudity, it wasn't that easy. We would have to get somebody older than us to go into a gas station and buy a magazine and bring it to us. 
and then you hide it somewhere in the woods. Well, these teenagers don't have to do that. They got it at their phone. And it's way worse than anything you'll ever see on a Playboy, I can tell you. That's a scary thing. It really is. Talking about pulling the plug on unbelief, that's just popping garbage in. And you got to be careful of that. Be careful of other people just speaking trash into your life and speaking negativity and doubt. That ain't going to work. Don't look like that's working. Oh, they prayed for you. Don't look like it's helping anything. Or I'd divorce her. I'd divorce him. I'd give up on all of it. I'd jump off a cliff, whatever. Y'all may think this is silly, but I think the, the other way around is silly. I think it's silly just to let that stuff be popped into you. It's not silly. It's not silly. It, you, need, you need to monitor what comes in these ears and what goes in these eyes, what people speak over you, speak into you, speak about you. Amen. Speaking about TV, I have been watching Gunsmoke. I like Gunsmoke. It's a good show. Now, just a few years back, I probably, I don't know how much, I probably might have watched it occasionally, but now I like, I like, Look forward to watching. I'll watch me a couple gun smokes before I go to bed. True story. There's nothing vulgar on there. There's nothing perverted. It's usually got a pretty good little story behind it. And uh, the, uh, the marshal there, he's always helping folks. He's always doing right, doing people good. I mean, he's actually um, an example of a good Christian man as he does his job. Now, he shoots some people, but not until they try to shoot him first. And he tries to tell them, don't do it. But then they pull on him and he has to smoke them. Must see why they call it gun smoke. But I've noticed as I watch these things, the commercials. You know, if you have this uh, overactive bladder, you take this pill. And it's going to help your bladder. Now, side effects are migraine, severe diarrhea, uh, some have died from a heart attack and seizures. I'm like, good grief, I'll take the overactive bladder any day. <laughs> but I realize they're focusing on older people. So Jackie said, I can tell you getting old. You watching gun smoke. <laughs> Been sitting on the back deck, just chilling out, watching hummingbirds come to the hummingbird feeder. I could have cared less about hummingbirds. Uh, who cares? Now I like it. I like to just sit out there. They just come right up. It's an amazing thing. It's pretty, it's, I mean, I'm just, you know, God created that little critter. And it's just like I appreciate it. And uh, I've grown out of some things and growing into some other things. You know, just like taking time to appreciate the hummingbird. And there's just a little rabbit. He hangs out in the backyard and, and eats grass. Now, I'm not going to lie. When I was a kid, I'd have shot that thing. I say a kid, probably up until about 10 years ago, I'd have shot that thing. <laughs> you know, I just grew up hunting. If it was a game animal, it had to die. But I've changed, and I don't care about doing those things, and I'm just hanging out. And another reason you can tell that I'm getting older is probably this gray right here, you know, is a good sign as well. I blame it on the triplets, but... Um, <laughs> Anyway, these medicine commercials, watching TV, let me, let me move forward. Watching TV and it says, well, if you have this symptom, take this pill. If you have this symptom, take this pill. And you can be sitting there watching it thinking, well, I do have those symptoms. I need to take that pill. 
And pray. Let's just try praying instead. And if that don't work, then I'll take the pill. If I don't see results immediately, we prayed Sunday. My, my bladder is still kind of acting crazy and it's Wednesday. Just go ahead and order those pills. We do that. We, like, we do it. Got to have it immediately. Got to have it right now. Jesus cursed a fig tree. It died at the root. When he cursed it, it didn't just fall to the ground dead and they started sawing up firewood. It died at the roots. They came back later and said, the leaves are withering. It dried up at the root. And sometimes when you and I pray, things are drying up at the root. There's something taking place. Stay with it. Stay in faith. Don't get over into unbelief. Amen? Because you're on that seesaw I was telling you about. And immediately when you do, that seesaw goes the other direction. Goes the other direction. So our subject here is unbelief. Unbelief. And there's, there's, i got three categories. And the three categories I have, number one, and I'm not very politically correct, but number one category, the reason for unbelief is ignorance. Ignorance. We may say lack of knowledge. That sounds nicer. But it's just straight up ignorance. Ignorant of God's Word. There's things I'm ignorant of. You don't want me to get hold of a computer. One time I was trying to do something on a computer. My, one of my friends, his name is Tyler, I called him, I said, how you do this on the computer? And he said, well, what you're going to do is you're going to click on this right here. And then you click on that, and then that'll pop up, and you're going to want to click on this, and you go over down the right to click on this. He's clicking on about 10 things. I said, oh, oh you, got, I don't, you got to back up. How we turn this thing on? <laughs> True story. I, I couldn't find the on button. Is it around there on the back? Who in the world, why would you put an on button on the back? Put it on the front. But anyway, I'm ignorant of that. I mean, you ever go to your trunk to crank your car? you just right there. It's, we had a computer. I don't know if all computers are that way, but you had to reach around and cut it on. Silly. But uh, I'm ignorant of, of that. I don't, I don't, emails, you know, that's about as far as I've made it. With computers, and if I have any computer problems, I get someone to help me stick. It uh, usually takes care of all those things. They make fun of me and laugh at me. I don't care. I don't even want to know. It's not going to help me a bit. It doesn't help me tow a piece of wood. No computer's ever come out there and helped me carry a piece of wood. So it doesn't help me. I don't care about it. But it's ignorance. Now, if I wanted to learn a computer, I will absolutely have to put some effort into it. I'm going to have to get into it. I want to study it. I want to have somebody teach me, help me, show me. Let's do this thing. I want to have to constantly be working. That's why they have computer classes. I did take a computer class. I never, I mean, I did zero nothing in there. When the, the, I got some out to do my work for me. This was in high school. And when it came time for the semester exam, I can't remember my teacher's name, but she smoked Paul Mall cigarettes. And uh, on my question, on my answers, I might have knew one or two of 20. And I would put, like, for my answer of, uh, you know, whatever the question is about a computer, my answer would be, the first day you came to school, Miss So-and-so, I thought you were a student, you looked so young. Next answer, there's nothing more attractive than a woman who smokes Paul Malls. <laughs> I just made up 
I made up the most ridiculous answers you've ever heard of. She gave me a B. <laughs> True story. But I didn't put any effort into learning. She just lied. She probably wanted to get me out of the class. So I didn't have to come back the next year. But Romans 10, 17, we quote it all the time. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If this faith that we're talking about, you're going to have to hear some Word of God. You're going to have to hear some Word of God, right? We have a work van. It's got all kinds of tools in it. If we need a tool to do a specific job, we go and we get the tool, we buy it, not a cheap one. We go buy a good one and we put it in stock. Now we have the tool for the job. If we ever come across a job that we need a tool for, we will just go get the tool that we need. Now we have it. Now we're ready for that job. Every time we go to do that job, we have that tool. Sometimes multiple tools. Sometimes we have three or four of the same thing so other people can be using them as well. In other words, we've added to the arsenal. We've added to the fleet. You've added to uh, every how you want to look at it. You've added to your supply. Depth. Faith gets into the Word. Now, I believe this. I'm adding this. Faith in the Word. I read some more Word. Oh, I didn't know this belonged to me. Faith in that Word. I'm adding this. We're stocking it up, baby. We're getting ready. We add to the arsenal. We add some more tools right here. Anything we come across in life, we're ready. We got the tool for the job. Amen? That's, 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 that's how you increase your faith. It, it is knowledge of the Word. Because you can't put something in that you don't know. That's why it's so important to read your Bible. That's why it's so important. That's, that's why I, I put a bunch of scriptures on the screen. Y'all come here, y'all know that I put a bunch. I put up to 30 on, at a time, on a Sunday. Because I want y'all to see those words. I want y'all to see the word. It's not just words. It's the word of God. And I want you to see it. I want you to get it in you. Because it's the truth that sets you free. It says, Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. The key there is abide. Abide in my word. You're my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Abide in the worth. The word, and if you abide in the worth, worth. If you abide in the word, you're going to know the truth. So you abide, you'll know it, and then that truth will make you free. The truth will make you free if you know it. The truth alone won't make you free. It's knowing the truth. This truth right here will make you free, but it won't make you free unless you know it. That's why faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word. That's why you've got to get into the Word of God. One time I was in a, uh, a porta potty and somebody took a black magic marker on the porta potty wall and said, they say that the truth will set you free. And then they said, sometimes the truth will get your rear end locked up. Like in jail. Like when the truth is presented to the jury and the judge says, 10 years in prison, that's the truth they were referring to. The truth will get you set free if you know it. Knowing the truth will set you free. But you're going to have to get into the Word. Like I said, we're a Word-based uh, church, and that's why. The other uh, second reason, I've only got three. We'll hit them quick. The second one is people that are mistaught. Mistaught. you got a blackboard uh, full of things that are incorrect because you've been mistaught. You've been taught incorrectly. 
Somebody tells you God doesn't heal. Somebody tells you God doesn't do miracles. Sometimes God, somebody tells you God doesn't want you to be prosperous. He wants you to be poor. That's a sign of faith and trust in Him if you're poor. That's the stupidest thing ever. Why would He want you to be poor? What kind of pleasure would He get out of you being poor? Would it pleasure you for your kids to be poor? It should bring you pleasure if your kids can pay their bills on time and have nice things and not suffering, but they're actually enjoying things. It should bring you even more pleasure when you see your kids help other people. Give their money away. Help folks out. Amen. It, it excites me, but being mistaught. That's why high school football coaches don't like you to play park ball. And there are some good park ball coaches, and I've had some, and I've had some bad ones. But a lot of times, ball... The park leagues or daddies that are just doing their best, but they teach a lot of kids. And those kids have been mistaught from the time they're five to the times they're 12 or 13, 14. Then they go to high school. Now this coach has got to erase that chalkboard because they've been mistaught. The, my kids were playing basketball one year, and the coach was a volunteer. He got out there. And so let's just say that the drums here are the, is the, the goal. And I'm just sitting there watching, and I didn't. They put me in, I only got put into foul people. But the goal's here. I mean, I knew a little bit. And he said, what you want to do when you're defending the guy, the guy you're defending is going to be here, and, and you got to be looking over your shoulder at all times, seeing where he's at. And I'm watching over there thinking, oh, dear Lord Jesus, this is not good. So I, I went out there and I said, hey, um, I don't want to butt any business there. I said, but I don't. That's probably not going to work. I said, I think you're probably going to want to put your body between the, the offensive guy and the basket instead of getting over here looking over your shoulder. Because if you're looking over your shoulder this way, he's just going to go that way and get the ball and score. I said, you want to be between him and the goal. He's like, that does make more sense. <laughs> Same thing happens in church. Mistaught. Mistaught. I'd say the average pastor in the United States of America, if somebody comes up and says, hey, pastor, I'm sick, his response will be, have you been to the doctor? Not, let's pray. Not, hey, what about this word of God right here? Not, hey, let's grab a couple of elders. Or, an elder is not how old you are. You can be 80 years old and not be the elder, an elder in the church, especially if, you're not, if you got saved the week before. That's how it should work, though. If you're 80, you should absolutely be an elder. Absolutely. The people were mistaught in churches. You know the old, oh, if it's His will. You never know what God's will is. That's just not correct. The Word of God is His will. If you want to know His will, get into the Word. You'll find out what His will is. So-and-so died at the age of 18. They ran off... They'd gone out drinking with their friends and they ran off the road and, you know, they were, they were killed. They, they had a car wreck and they were killed. They just never know what God's will is. Such a lie. Such a lie. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus Christ came to give life, to give it more abundantly. Why would God want to kill you? Is God a murderer? No. His will is for you to live and to have life and have it more abundantly. Why are my prayers being answered? There's sin in the camp. 
sin in your camp. You're sinning. That's why God ain't blessing you. Because you sin it. No. Your sin's giving Satan a stronghold in your life. God wants to bless you. The blessings have actually already been provided to you. Everything you ever need has been given to you. But when you do live a life of sin, you're cooperating with the devil. And you're giving him a stronghold in your life. So you look at it the wrong way. People use the, the sin in the camp uh, like God's punishing you. He sent, it, he sent Jesus to be punished for you. Why would he want to punish you? Jesus was punished. But you do cooperate with the devil. Now, the third one is five senses. It's your five senses. What you taste and what you smell, what you hear, what you feel, and um, what you see. That's the biggie. What you see. Your five senses. Unbelief. Because what you see will get you over into unbelief. What you hear will get you over into unbelief. Uh, I prayed this. We prayed that. I heard the word. And they prayed for me. But the doctor said... Now, I'm not saying discredit doctors. Thank the Lord for the doctors. I have had them help me out, put me back together. Thank the Lord for doctors for when you're giving birth. I mean, man, if we had to do that at home. I mean, a lot of guys get into that thing. You know, just they, they're all about the whole birth thing and filming and all that. Not me. Uh-uh. We stand north of the equator, baby. That's just not my thing. No, sir. So thank the Lord for doctors. We're going to pray, but then we're going to go by what the doctor says. You see how you can be on that seesaw? You leave out of church or leave from wherever they prayed for you. Man, I'm feeling good. Then you go to the doctor and he said, well, it's not looking good though. Seesaw, you went from believing to unbelief, back and forth like a man wavering. We pray, but you feel a symptom. Prayed for your back. Back's feeling pretty good. Yeah. Then Tuesday, all of a sudden, Oh, I got a little pain in my back. Automatically, you're going to try to get over into unbelief. Guess that didn't work. Guess it's back. Just like walking on that water. Oh, ye of little faith. That didn't last long. One little symptom and we're already seesawed back the other way. That's why we got to grow out of it. Amen? Pray and go to the doctor. I heard somebody prayed and they felt healed, but they had to go to the doctor just to get confirmation. Then I'll believe it when the doctor says so. Like I said, I'm not against doctors. There's some great doctors out there. Thank the Lord for them. You know that little snake on the pole? That's a healing sign. That's what, that's what they're there for, to help you get healed. Um, but ultimately, God does the healing. All they can do is cut you open, throw some stuff in there, sew you back up. They can't heal you. God heals you. Amen. So, <clears throat> the very first scripture we read, we're coming back full circle to that. He says, they said, why couldn't we cast it out? He said, because of your unbelief. He says, this, this kind can only come out through prayer and fasting. Now, some translations of the Bible completely omit that verse, and that's totally, completely irresponsible. You shouldn't be omitting verses, uh, you know, modern-day translations. He says, this, time, this kind, this type can only come out by prayer and fasting. Fasting and praying. Well, he's not talking about the demon. If you ever encounter a demon that doesn't respond or come out at the name of Jesus, well, I can tell you right now, your praying and your fasting is not going to do it. But the fact of the matter is, you'll never encounter a demon that won't come out at the name of Jesus because the Word of God tells you at the name of Jesus that demons have to flee. I've seen it personally in my own life. 
More, what, a bunch of times. But I mean, I really saw it. I saw some demons that manifested themselves or one that manifested itself in the natural where I can see it. I told it to leave and I actually watched it leave. Amen. It had to leave. It didn't have any choice. But he's talking about unbelief. That's the subject of the sentence. Is Jesus is talking about unbelief, saying this kind of unbelief only comes out through prayer and fasting. Now, um, I want to talk about prayer just for a minute. You get over into prayer, you start spending time praying, and it's not a set your clock and get up. I'm going to give the Lord 15 minutes, and now I'm done for the rest of the day. You should look at prayer as that. That's a good thing to do. If you get up in the morning and start your day off in prayer, absolutely great. You don't even have to get out of the bed. You can just wake up and lay in the bed and just pray right there. I do it every day. I don't spend 30 minutes or an hour, but I do start my day off just thanking Him for what's right there beside me, for one. My wife. What's upstairs? My kids. Thanking Him for everything He's already given me that I don't uh, deserve. Just thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. But staying in communion is what me and Buddy talked about this week. It's staying in communion during the day. You're talking to him like a friend. I remember years ago, someone asked me to preach. Uh, and it was like four or five days in advance, three or four days in advance, something like that. It was, it was Todd, Pastor Todd. He, was, he asked me, so you, I wanted you to preach like in three or four days. And I was like, I need more time. And I told my grandmother, and I said, I, I've got I've to get with the Lord, spend some time with the Lord and get in communion with the Lord. And she said, well, honey, if you'll just stay in communion with the Lord, you'll always be ready. And I was like, what do you know, old woman? <laughs> but you know what? She's, she was right. She told me right. You, ain't, you don't have to go get ready. You'll be ready. In season, out of season, you'll be ready. You know what happened? A few years after that, on a Sunday morning at about 7.30, the same pastor called me and said, hey, I was praying this morning. The Lord told me to go visit this other church over here and, and you're you going to be preaching this morning. You know what? I came in and preached. You know why? Because I'd been in communion with the Lord, spending time with the Lord. I was ready at a moment's notice. I didn't need two weeks to get prepared. And some people I ask here to preach, and they're like, oh, I need some more time. One reason I don't give you all a big advance notice is because I know the difference. I, I, I've been there. Don't rely on yourselves. So when I don't give you a lot of notice, that means you can't rely on yourself. You have to rely on Him. I'm kind of pushing that a little bit. You follow me? So I may text somebody Wednesday morning about preaching Wednesday night. Better be ready. But when you start talking to the Lord, guess what? You'll start hearing things you've never heard. You'll start hearing things you couldn't hear before. When you're in this prayer and fasting, you start talking in, in, in communion with the Lord. Now you're going to start hearing things. You're talking to Him. You're going to start hearing things back. You're going to start to get revelations. You're going to start to see things that you've never seen before. The unbelief will be leaving, getting out. The seesaw we're growing out of it. In Hebrews, the fifth chapter, the 14th verse, it says, But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. Some translation says meat. In other words, we're not on, if you read the scriptures preceding this, we're not on milk anymore. We're not little babies on milk. We're eating solid food because we're of age. 
He says, that is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You can train your body when you exercise it. You know that in the natural. Well, you can do the same thing in the spiritual. Daryl, you walk every day, right? How many miles do you walk a day? Four? So that's an average? Four a day? Fifty a week. Walk fifty, I ain't walk fifty miles and <laughs> ever. <laughs> I jogged three miles ten years ago and I'm still limping. <laughs> now I'm kidding. That's a lot of miles. But Daryl walks every day. I didn't know it was that much, but he walks every day. So he's out exercising every single day. So this scripture right here that we're reading, you're exercising to discern both good and evil. Exercising. So, um, your exercise, what this scripture says, is you're exercising your five senses to know that there's more out there than what the five senses can see and hear and taste and smell and feel, that there's more out there. You can actually exercise. He don't go out and walk 50 miles in one day. It's something he does daily. You stay with it. You stay with it. You stay with it. It's not once a year on Easter, but it's you exercising. You're staying with it. You're staying with it. You're staying with it. You're exercising. Y'all following me? Because your, your, your flesh is going to uh, begin to see that there's, there's, there's things working in the unseen, in the spiritual realm. And in other words, you learn it's coming. It's coming. Instead of your flesh being, it didn't work, it's not working, it's never going to happen, might as well jump off a cliff. You're, you're exercising your faith to say, it's, it's coming. Your flesh is say, it's coming. In other words, your flesh is not... Uh, doesn't have dominion over you. In other words, you're, you're, not, you're not going that way, but you're going by the Word of God. You're exercising it not to respond off of your flesh. In other words, it's got a little ache. It's coming. I'm staying with it. I'm exercising. I'm exercising. A guy told me, he said, it's better if you're going to eat uh, some Krispy Kreme donuts, it'll be better to eat all 12 of them at one time than two a day. Great advice. <laughs> That's what I've always said. But we're going to close with this one. The prayer and the fasting. He said this, this type of unbelief can only come out through prayer and fasting. Fasting. So we talked about prayer there. And um, being in communion with God. Fasting. Why do you fast? Are we going to... Prove something to God. Is He going to be impressed with our fasting? Let me tell you, as soon as you fast, by lunchtime, your flesh will rebel. It's going to be saying, feed me, feed me, feed me. And that's probably um, uh, the, the toughest one to do. But for some people, I know some people that are addicted to uh, gaming and they can play games all day for 24 hours with no sleep and they don't even eat, can't stop playing to eat. Well, I would say they probably need to fast the game rather than food because food evidently doesn't have a hold on them. This game does. That's plain to see. Amen? Or some people, it may be other hobbies. It may be one thing or the other. But your flesh is going to rebel. Whatever you fast, your flesh is going to rebel. It's going to say, feed me. Um, 
Here's one way to look at that thing. Look at this situation. If you don't eat today, I've, I went, I've done several 21-day Daniel fasts, and one time I, and I really didn't even know why I was doing them. I mean, I didn't understand the word. I was just doing them just because I saw what everybody else was doing, so I'll give it a try. But the last time I did it, I had an understanding, and I went five days with no food. Five days. Followed by a 21-day Daniel fast. And what you do is you learn real quick. Day one, you learn the flesh is saying, feed me. Feed me. It's going to rebel. It's going to say, feed me. I remember I was about day three of no food, and I didn't even tell anybody about it. And this, this guy, he said, now uh, we're doing that fast at our church. We started in January because a lot of churches do. He said, I made it about 10 o'clock. Woo! He made it to 10 o'clock. He said, I don't see how anybody does that. And I was on about day or three or day or four with, with, with nothing but water. I didn't say anything. I was thinking, that's your flesh. And you just gave in to your flesh. That should be an eye-opener to who's in control of your decisions. Your flesh is. Your flesh is saying, feed me, feed me. Day two, I'm not feeding you. And your flesh is saying, feed me. Day three, feed me. I'm not feeding you. You keep on running that mouth, I'm going to make you four days. You keep on talking, I'm going to make it five days. That thing will shut up eventually. Your body said, you haven't told me what to do in years. I've been doing what I want. And then all of a sudden, now you tell me I can't eat and I can't do these things and I can't get on the computer or the games or you're fasting this, that, or the other. That's, that's, really, that's really how it works. But your, your fasting is not twisting God's arm. To make him do something. He's not impressed with your fasting. He was impressed with the blood of Jesus. Your fasting doesn't satisfy him. The blood of Jesus satisfied him. <clears throat> what, your, what your fasting does is gets the unbelief out. That's why Jesus said this type of unbelief can only come out through prayer and through fasting. You want to grow out of unbelief? It's going to be through this Word of God. It's going to be through prayer. It's going to be through fasting. It's going to be saying no to the flesh and yes to the Spirit, yes to the Word. Amen? Next week, maybe we'll talk about growing into it. Y'all ready to go on the fast now? Y'all pretty excited, I can tell. Y'all got big lunch plans. You're going to go on a fast after lunch. <clears throat> I want to tell you how the devil works real quick. I got up this morning. I decided um, I'm just not going to eat any breakfast. Not because I was going on a fast. I just decided I'm not going to eat any breakfast. I just don't need anything. There wasn't anything healthy to eat at the house. Went to the gas station, looked around, some candy bars, almost bought one. I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. <clears throat> Walked up there, and the gal, she said, I go in the store every day of my life, so they, they know me. And she said, you don't see anything you like? And I said, no, not really. And she said, well, my sister just brought me a biscuit and gravy from Jack. She just dropped it off before you got here, and I'm not going to eat it. I don't even like biscuits and gravy. You can have it. I ate it. <laughs> I ate it. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's just more scripture backing that up. 
Man's not living by bread alone. Let me tell you, when you, you say no to your body and yes to the word, um, it just does something to you. It's something I can't explain, and I'm sure there's some books out there that try to explain it. It's just an experience. Shut it off about, I, I shut it off for three or four or five days. Water or liquids, whatever you choose to drink. You'll, day one and day and two is pretty rough. Day three is a little easier. By day five, you don't even really care anymore. That's the truth. I remember after I thought about what I'm going to eat when I'm off this fast. I had my mind made up. I knew what I was going to eat. Hamburger, steak, or gravy, and some other things. That's what I wanted. On day five, after that fast, I went and got that hamburger steak, set it down in front of me. It looked good. I cut into it, took a big bite of it. I was so disappointed. It just didn't taste the way that it did before. Get a hold of that. It didn't taste the way that it did before because I got a taste of something else. The Lord says, taste and see. That he's good. It's just something you've got to experience. Praise the Lord. Did y'all get anything out of it? Good deal. Well, let's hit the buffet.